Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Lotus Eaters, for the 4th of July. I'm joined yeah. by Dan. Hello. I forgot that the cat. I have to say that for the camera to actually get you a shot. Otherwise, <laughs> it didn't really make much sense. I'm just looking off. Anyway, but today we're going to be talking about uh, the end of US independence, which is your treaties on retaking the colonies or something. Yes. All right. Yes, just revoke the uh, the independence. I think. I think. I think they've had. I think they've had enough. You know what I? You yes. know what we need to do? Uh, annoy the American audience even more. <laughs> now I'm sure they're taking good spirits. Also, mm. uh, you will own nothing and leave the country because the UK just hates us. Mm. And uh, JFK American coup, which yes, is this a conspiracy theory? No, no, it's all true. All right. Good. Well, the the, the 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 version of the events that goes in the history books that's that's fake. But uh, I'll get into all of that. Right. So, uh, oh, do we do we have to do a few plugs for stuff that's coming up? Well, the website's currently completely buggered, so probably. All oh, right. Okay. So. Well, I think I think I think we've got Brokenomics today going live at three p.m. today, which is going to be all about the alien invasion that's coming up. That'll be in the news shortly. And um, oh, this thing: the COVID vaccine marks of the beast, which obviously we can't go anywhere near YouTube with. But um, yes, that'd be a good chat. You know what's super weird about that is they did actually come out and say you now can say that there are some things uh, that the vaccine does, and I'm like, yeah, but what? This is yeah. going to detail. It's still like you can't say that it causes certain things, but it's, it's all just a trap, really, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the US election stuff. Yeah. This is Thursday, though. Oh, that's Thursday, right? Okay, yeah. So look out for that. Right. So let's get into our first segment. Happy birthday, America. You are now 247 years old, uh, which makes you almost as old as the average Greenland shark. So congratulations. Uh, we do actually have quite a lot of American viewers. I think it's, it's a sort of half of our viewers are American. So it's very important that we don't say anything that upsets them too much, which is why oh, this never, segment is going to be all about why I think that uh, US independence should be repealed. It is a, I think it's an experiment that has run its course it's uh, it's it, it's time to wind that in. I think I think we need to then bring them back into the fold. Um, and I will be giving my my reasons for that. But before I do so, uh, let's just mention this fantastic chat that um, Carl and I had um, on why American society is collapsing. So you know that that's a fun one to spend your Fourth of July holiday watching if you haven't already. Um, now. Yes, Independence Day, Fourth of July, Americans are going to be doing a lot of this. If you're listening to the audio, a bunch of Americans, box of fireworks behind a car, setting up one in the garden, rescuing children because something seems to have gone wrong. Oh, look, we've got a spark in the box of fireworks behind the car. Garden furniture flying. Crows falling out of the sky. Toddlers screaming. Cars exploding. Yes. So, so that's what the Americans do um, today on, on the 4th of July. And um, so, you know, that, that's all good and fun. But I want to take you through my case as to why American independence needs to be repealed. They need to be returned to be a county of England. I mean, they, they, they can have a couple of counties. And here are my reasons. Number one, tipping culture. What? Yes. Oh, not flight tipping, tipping. Yeah, sorry. Yes, no, tipping culture. I forgot because so, we don't even try to do that. If yes. Help it. So I would take you to the tweet of this one because this is one that you commented on, actually. But this is um, New York um, waitress slams European after large group lay leaves only a 10% tip on a $700 bill. Uh, so they left $70 as a tip and, and she thought it wasn't enough. So she Very went mad. out with, I expletive hate Europeans. 
on specifically the Spanish. I believe she was. Uh, yes, most upset with. But I, I think I think every European would probably do this because ten percent is, is is more than enough for this this sort of thing. Far too much. What, what's yes. the wage? But I mean, if you think about that, so she was expecting one hundred and forty from one table. Yes, probably serving I don't know four or five tables at least. Yes, and all of them. What, yes, over a couple of hours. Well, I mean, so seven dollars an hour from one table that you're getting. Yes, so even if she only gets thirty-five dollars an hour um, per table, which seems quite low apparently from the basis of this, that's a safe bet, right? And then she's got twelve tables, which would seem reasonable for a waitress. You know, you're you're making on a six-hour shift two and a half grand, right? From a job. Yeah, I mean, well, she's struggling to get by, my friend. Yes, and the thing is, I've been thinking about this, and I've been thinking, how are these jobs not awarded on the basis of sexual favors? Some of them are. Yes. Not so much on I'm sleeping with the boss, but is she pretty? If so, put her out front. I mean, I've said about this. I mean, even in our country, that's yes. what um, my experience has been of working in pubs. If you're ugly, you work in the kitchen. And if you're pretty, you work in front of yes. house. But, but I mean, with this job specifically, when you're getting, you know, like three grand a night out of tips, right? And, and there's basically no qualifications tips. to do that job apart from the ability to, you know, smile and carry plates and be pretty, right? Mm. So I, I'm not sure how that job would get doled out because the job is more valuable to the person receiving it, isn't it? Because they they, they're basically getting into an easy job that gives them thousands of pounds. I don't see how these jobs are not awarded you know, I, I don't on your knees. I mean, situations like that at all. You know what was annoying yeah. recently? I, like, I don't know if you've got it, but there was a guy who ordered a $20 pizza. Yes. Okay? So the delivery guy comes. Mm. He, gets, he tips him five bucks, 25% tip. Yeah. And the guy says, $5 tip. Bit low for a house like this, isn't it? And walks away after giving him a $20 pizza. Well, that was going to be my second point, right? Because um, apparently, since the pandemic, Americans have spread tipping culture out to ba- basically everything. Tip your landlord? Yeah. So, no, no. Like, so, when you go to McDonald's or, or you like your counter food, there's now a, a tip yeah. bit that you can put in. But to be fair, that's here as well. Where it's like, would you like to give to charity? And I'm like, no. Yeah. That's why I came to McDonald's. It's cheap. Yes. Why am I wasting more money? But anyway, I've decided that this this is this is reason number one why American independence has to go because their tip culture is just 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 ridiculous. You know what's actually annoying about their tipping culture? They didn't what? used to have it, didn't they? Like there's um, I hate I hate to reference it, but Adam Rooms everything. He actually did an episode on this that was yeah. pretty good. Where it was like tipping culture used to be seen in American life as corrupt mm. because well, the sorry the rich guy is going to get better service than everyone else just because he can mm. only a large tip. So it was kind of rude <laughs> to even offer tips because it was like corruption. But then. The 1920s came, and all of a sudden, everyone wanted tips. Right. And ever since then, it's just become part of American culture. Now they act like it's always been there, and it's like, no, this is this is fairly new. Yeah, that's got to go. Uh, the other thing that annoys me is is they don't include uh, the taxes when you're walking around the shop. You have to go to the till to find out how much stuff costs. I think this is one where we might actually get the American audience to agree. Yes, this is. Terrible. Oh no, I think they should agree on all of this. Okay, well, I can't. I, I can't. Believe I don't it. think they're going to agree with the first one from the conversations I've had. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, the dates. The dates are plain wrong. Yep, they're not yep. going to agree to that, but that's yep. that's not even negotiable. Um, the metric system. Nine out of eleven. The metric system. They only use it on soft drinks because even an American would feel a bit silly about having a gallon of of, of Coke. Do they? I'm pretty sure they use ounces. Uh, you get ounces of soda. No, I've I've, I've seen like one and two liter cups. That's got to be some kind of import. Yeah. I don't know. I think they'd burn that. If they found right. out. Well, I mean, the next thing that really gets me is is our next image, right? Thanksgiving. Okay. So basically, the Americans, they have two Christmases, and they can never explain <laughs> right, why. This is just jealousy. <laughs> yes, but, but 
mean, the amount of Americans I've met over the years, and I always try and get them to explain to me, why do you have two Christmases? And they can never explain. They always start off with, oh, it's really straightforward. And then they give me some story about how they were worried about the Indians killing them, which doesn't seem quite right because they're Hindus and very peaceful people. And then they, and then they basically say, oh, yeah, we, ha- we have them. And it's, it's like two weeks before. I, I, I just do not get Thanksgiving at all. Despite despite the fact I've asked them to explain it multiple, do you, do you get this? Well, this is like hobbits having second breakfast. I mean, if you're American, yes. and you like your food, and therefore two Christmases. Yes, right. The other thing with Americans, and and because I used to I used to work in the city just just next door to the uh, the Merrill's building, the Merrill Lynch building. There's lots of Americans coming out there, so so I got to know a lot of them, and 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 they have this weird cultural thing where they end the working day, right, and they will say to you, um, "Do you want to go for drinks?" Like plural. Right, and then you go to the bar and they will order one drink and then they bugger off, okay? Whereas British, they say, ooh, should we have a cheeky half or a pint? It's always singular. Should we have a... Right, and then you're there until 11 at least or, or possibly Sunday if it's a Friday. So uh, Americans don't get... Right, and the other thing, right, next image. Is this what the segment is? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, just, it's just me complaining about America, right? Right, this, this cup thing, right, they do that as well. Yeah, I've always, I've never yes. been, so I always assume that is a joke. Yeah, I always thought that was just like, uh, that was just like, like it's a, a movie film set. Thing. We don't want to yeah. have glasses everywhere because yeah. someone's going to smash it. But no, it. apparently I've spoken to them. They all do that. And these things, it is actually quite clever. They got, they got little lines on them. So you see, there's like a little line at the bottom, and then there's another little line higher up, and then there's a line near the top. So that is. I mean, no, but. So you, well, you, you, you can't quite see on that image. But basically, the idea is you put spirits up to the first line, you put wine up to the second line, and you, you can have beer up to a. Up to the third line. That sounds it's, like it's the like worst dirty pint of all time. Training wheels for Americans drinking. Why you just drink? Yes. Do you want more? Drink it. If you don't, yes. don't drink it. Yes. But yeah, okay. there, 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 there is that. Um, next one. Where is that? Yes. This used to get me as well. Right, Americans would come to London and they would try and talk to you on the tube. Okay, yeah, I agree with this. Yes. All right, we're talking about the motherland now, so I can actually have a, a strong yes. opinion, which is shut up. Yes. This isn't just Americans. Like, I th- the worst one actually is Arabs. Oh, really? I used to date an Arab girl, so I, I can I can speak with this with confidence. Is that they? Oh, I can't stand it. They will get on a bus. Never mind the tube. <laughs> they'll get on the bus and they will FaceTime their whole family. It seems and speak for the entire bus ride out loud in Arabic. And they're oh, there you don't, you don't want somebody loudly speaking Arabic on a bus, not after seven seven. No, not really. No. But then, like you're at university, so there's two or three of them doing the same thing all over mm. each other, and you just like, "This is hell." But this no, hell I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking about speaking to to family members on phones because I can sort. Of, I, literally, you will. Be I'm just on, saying that the Arabs beat the Americans in this regard. Right, of, but you you'll be on a tube, and and an, an American will try and strike up a conversation with you. The last time that happened to me, the conversation he tried to strike up was, "Isn't it weird that nobody talks to each other on the tube?" I just, just so sort of smile and nod and sort of turn my back on him before we before we could continue the conversation because you you just do not do that on on the tube. The only exception, right, is is taxi drivers. Yeah, you don't yes. shut up. You yes, Tax, taxi drivers never stop. So if you if you're an American, you ever come to England, you can talk to the taxi driver, but you can't talk to anybody on any other form of transport. Just so you know, even if they're your friends, try to shut up. Yes, um, U.S. comedy, right now. Actually, Chris Rock explained this very well recently. I saw something from him, and he was explaining that the difference between American comedy and British comedy is that American comedy is basically just being incredibly loud and shouting at everybody so that everybody in the room gets the joke, right? And British comedy is being incredibly subtle, and only the smart people in the room actually understand the joke. 
And that's kind of the point. It's not clearly true, but... Is it? I don't think so. <laughs> I, I quite like that. I I, I, I like the point. Uh, loud yeah. equals funny is the bane of comedy. Yes. That's definitely true. I think Stephen Fry did it better. I don't know if you've heard his right. description. No. Okay, so there's a scene in the movie. Guy walks down after shagging some bird, and then he sees a hippie hmm. playing a guitar on the stairs. Yes. So it's crap. So he grabs the guitar and he smashes the guitar. Now, an American comedian would want to play the guy smashing the guitar. Whereas the British comedian wants to be the stupid hippie who just had his guitar smashed. Do you get that? Yes. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yes. That makes sense. Right. Um, next yeah, one. In the comments just be like, I don't. Uh, oh, actually, I don't have. I don't have an image. Oh, yeah. I, I sort of. Right. College fees. Okay. Um, yeah. This. The, okay. I'm really getting into the meat of this now. Right. So, uh, colleges, which is basically universities in, in America. Right. So basically, what you have is you have this whole class of people, this whole institution. And they all hate America, right? They hate the Constitution, and they hate you. So we right. give them loads of money and our kids. Yes, yes. So this is the thing. So how do, how do Americans react to this nest of vipers? What they do is they say, here is my child, and here is my life savings. Do with them as you will. It is true. Yes. I, I even agree that the UK education system is worthless now. Unless you're doing STEM, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to pay for it. I could just go there. But the thing is, at least, but, but at least in the British system, you're only in debt for like the first 10 years. The American system, you're in debt for the rest of your life. What do you mean? Well, because it, it costs like 10 times as much as it does here. I'm in debt for the rest of my life. I don't know if you know. Right. Okay. Well. System changed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got an amount to pay, and I'm never going to pay enough to even pay it off. So I, I'm in debt until I'm 65. Oh. So, okay. That? I basically had one good bonus, and it was cleared. Yeah. Yeah. There used to be a different system. You know what's annoying? Okay. Actually, last year they changed it, so now all students will be paying double what I'm even paying. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah, this, both no, our just, systems are getting more and more worse. I just don't, I just don't get worse. the fundamental concept of, of clearly these people hate you, and yet they always, and yet they all do it. They all give them their children and their life. Say, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, why don't they just not do that? I mean, I agree. Yes. I, I mean, American education is. Um, yes. Hmm. Now, um, th this guy, uh, um, um, Bargy, he, he made a, a particularly clever point, actually, because you know there's all this student loan forgiveness stuff that's being talked about at the moment. You know, he made the point, if the Republicans are smart, they would propose a bill to pay down student loans by seizing college endowments. Right, and then you've got this table showing the, the various uh, you know, endowments that these, these universities have built up. So if you're listening, Harvard has got, what, 50 billion? Uh, University of Texas, 40 billion. Yale's got 40 billion. Stanford just under forty billion. Uh, you know, MIT's got twenty-five billion. Um, so, so all of the all of this money has sort of been accumulated uh, by these colleges. So, if you want to pay off college debt, why don't you just seize that, right? And that will give you um, the the numbers are something like there's about eight hundred billion in college endowments. So, take that. Um, the college debt is apparently one point eight trillion. So, you pay off about forty-five percent of it. So, it's not the whole thing, but it's a, it's a pretty meaningful chunk. Yep. And you take away money from people who hate you and are trying to destroy your country. Seems like a good deal. Yes, I think that's a good deal. So, you know, um, let's repeal this independence and we, we get that sorted out for you. Um, second thing, um, Americans only get two weeks holiday. I think they'll agree with me on this one as well. Yeah, it's kind of insane. Yes. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've got some friends who work in service and mm. because of the weird way American holidays work, which is the basically bugger all protection. What one of them is able to do, for example, is just turn to her boss and be like, right, I'm taking the next month off. I just go around the world and come back. Hmm. Because there's no 
like oh we have four weeks so you have to book it off and then it's there and then we have these dates and you ran out of holiday i'm so sorry instead there's just no agreement on how much holiday there is so while she's off she doesn't get paid while she works she gets paid so that was the thing i was reading on this is apparently some of the trendy employers are now starting to offer unlimited holiday like in in these tech firms and stuff but is it paid or unpaid yeah it's paid Okay, well, it's, it's unlimited. So you get your salary, and it's just unlimited. Holiday. The lady I'm speaking of, it's it's unpaid. So it's right. just like I'm, I don't okay. have a job for the next month, but I'll be back in a yeah. month. Cool. But no, apparently that, that's the thing in, in in some of these in some of these tech firms. It's now unlimited holiday, and people basically take as much as they want. But because their work ethic is built up in such a way it is, is they only ever take you know a couple of weeks anyway. And I was just thinking, you know, what if you started offering that sort of arrangement in France or Spain? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry, I'm still, I'm still sleepy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you would never see. You'd be like, you'd, be, you'd basically be the public sector, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, right. So I thought that was funny. Right. Uh, next thing, um, we we can we can show an image on this, but uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take four things in one here, and I'm gonna put them all under the same heading. Right. So the first one is is free refills on sugary drinks. Okay. Um, American bread. Have you ever tried that? Basically, all no. American bread is is brioche. Because they put an absolute ton of sugar in it, it's unbelievably sickly. Do you uh, know about Subway? Subway sandwiches. Yeah, well, I'll try them here. So the bread was declared cake in Ireland <laughs> because legally it has too much sugar in to be declared bread. Yes. So it's cake. Yes, okay, and, and they probably toned it down over here as well. Yeah, because if, if if you're ever an American, you try the bread. It is just it is sickening, right? So number three, the unlimited oh, refill yeah. thing. I do have something to say on that though, yeah. which you might oh. not know, and a lot of people don't know. I yes. didn't know. Um, turns out, so McDonald's, for example, it's their company policy worldwide, so McDonald's corporate, that if you take your drink back and it's soda, you can get a free refill anywhere on earth at any McDonald's location. Now, you might be confused by that, because you probably tried it in the UK or something, they told you to bugger off. Well, that's the thing. It's the culture locally in the UK, for example, that we don't offer refill yes. stacks, and they, if you ask them, they'll, they'll just look yes. at you weird. But if you demand them to get out the rule book, they go and get out the terms and conditions of their uh, franchise. <laughs> Have you yes. actually done this? So a friend of mine, so she's, um, she was Kuwaiti. So, so back in Kuwait, they have free refills. Yeah. And she came to the UK and she was like, what the hell is this? So she went, and, no, get it out. And they took it out. And they went, oh, you're right. Yeah, you do have to get free refills. Yeah. So That's handy to know if I ever go into McDonald's. I assume it's the same Burger King, et cetera. I just don't know. I just happen to know. She tried it with McDonald's and it worked. Let's find out. So, Right. Actually, that was going to be my third point on this one, is um, the Americans, they keep their Taco Bells, their McDonald's, all of their, all of their stuff, they open 24 hours a day, right? Yeah. Uh, and the fourth one is this one, Halloween. Sorry, was that a complaint? Yeah, you'll see where I'm going with this in a minute when I, when I put <laughs> these under a category. The fourth one is, is this Halloween. So it's basically um, begging for middle class people. I do kind of hate Halloween. Yes. And, and basically what they do is they go around and they get free sugary stuff from all the families in the area and then they all sit around and eat it. Okay. So the reason I put those together, free refills for sugary drinks, um, American bread is all brioche, um, Taco Bell open 24 hours a day and um, Halloween, which is begging for sugar. I'm going to put all of those under the category of trying to figure out why they're all so fat. Anyway. I don't know. Yes. Because they're captured by the sugar industry. That's my point on that. Right. Um, next thing. Americans, they all think they're racist. But they're not. They try. Compared to literally anywhere else but on earth. Meet a Romanian talking about gypsies and yes. you will feel... But basically, just go to any anywhere else in the world and have a conversation about races and you'll quickly discover that the Americans are not racist. Not number one. 
but they, they don't do that. So so here's an article um, um, that, that sort of went around a while ago. Is McDonald's gets into a bit of an uproar because they just put a sign on their um, on their store saying no black people. And the thing is that that's not the only reason that was a story is because it was McDonald's. I mean, I've traveled around Asia and it's quite common for restaurants just to have a, a sign outside saying, you know, no Indians or no no blacks or anything like that. They, they don't think anything of it. They just think that's perfectly normal. But I mean, last time I was uh, traveling around Asia, um, I got friendly with these um, these two Indian chaps, um, and one of them one of them was quite dark. And every time we tried to go into a bar, basically they they, they wouldn't let us in. So in the end, we figured out I had to pretend that he was my Raji Butler before <laughs> before we could go and drink anywhere. <laughs> to be fair, uh, I, I did play into it quite a bit, and I think I annoyed him slightly after a while. But um, but he's, he's basically the only way you could get. I mean, you kept bar. using him as a footstool, so I mean that wasn't well. That <laughs> um, right. Oh yes, the next one. Um, okay, I tried to find a suitable video for this. But they were all so cringy, I couldn't bear to put them up. But you know those beauty pageants they have with four-year-olds? Yeah. Yeah. It's... I don't I don't know why they do it. But they but they do. I don't know what type of American does it either, because I yeah. when I ask Americans about this, even they're like, I don't I don't do that. I don't no, know. Really, it's, not, it's not a common thing then. It doesn't seem to be. Right. But then who is doing it? Because it's happening. Well, a lot of them must be, because because there's loads of, you know. Those are sort of documentaries and stuff about it. But anyway, I, I couldn't find one that I wanted to put on the screen because I just found them all so cringy. But instead, I found this extract from um, a film called Bad Grandpa. Let's have a look at this. Listening, um, it's taking a turn for the spicy. Average American event. The faces are superb. But the thing is, you made the point to me when I was watching this video in the office. You're saying, you know, it shows how much this is aged. Because, yeah, this isn't edgy anymore. Yeah, this isn't. I mean, if you film this now, half of them will be clapping along and being like, hey, "Well, as long as inclusion. as long as there was a um, uh, what's that what's that thing we're not allowed to say anymore? We're not allowed to say it. So. Yeah, we're not allowed to say it. But no. you know, those those people who were one thing and now they're another. Go, thing. No, 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 no. Yes. no. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, <laughs> but if, if if you do an angle of that, you could get, you could get away with a lot more than that. So right, anyway, so uh, if you think I've made a suitable case for why American independence should be repealed, um, let me know in the comments. <laughs> Um, if if we get well, enough, we we're the global superpower, but never mind. We'll become a county. Why? Because tipping culture. <laughs> well, yeah, no. If, if 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 you think I made the case and we, we can build support for this, I will take it to the king and we will get that one sorted out. Um, however, because it is your special day, America, I did decide to end on a couple of things I do like about America. So um, the first one is this: post boxes. Did you know that these bloody things transmit as well as receive? What? What are you talking about? No, seriously. Right. So. So you get your post put in them, but if you put that little thing up, it tells the postman that you he can collect. So you can post from your own post. No box. way. Yes. What? Yes, seriously. That's what the little flag thing's for. I thought that was the postman telling you there's something in it. No, no, that's that's you saying that stuff needs to go out. 
Sorry, so I don't even have to go to the post office. I just no. That's remarkable. But then why do they they have all those post boxes? Because if your own, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's for the cities. I don't know. Maybe it's for packages or something. That that's remarkable. That can't be true. No, it's true. It's true. um, Somebody in the somebody in the comments enlighten us. But I'm pretty sure that's true. Right. Second reason I like America is the films used to be really good in the '80s. Yes. Was it 40 years too late for this? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, we got, we got to 1999, and then everything after that was bad. So in 1999, I made a list of the last good films. So it was um, Fight Club, Matrix, Sixth Sense, American Pie, Galaxy Quest, Austin Powers, and Analyze This. Right, that was the last good year, and after that, everything has been bad, apart from Tropic Thunder. Anyway. you ever seen Robert Downey Jr. talk about that? Uh, no. Because he was asked, I mean, why did you sign up to do blackface? And he went, well, I thought about it. And um, I thought it might be career ending. So I thought I'd try it. <laughs> so, apparently when he thought it was really funny when they were talking about it. And then when he was blacking up, he then thought, oh, God, this might actually end my career. I'm not even. <laughs> so, apparently right. his mum even called up to tell him you probably shouldn't be doing this. Yes. Just a couple of years later, that film would never have got made. <laughs> but well done. Right. And finally, one thing that I actually really do like, America, is, is this bit of text from my third ever favorite American. Uh, it is the Declaration of Independence. And actually, it, it, it is worth reading this out. And I, I've modified the text very slightly to make it a little bit more universal, okay? But, you know, if you're, if you're French or German or, you know, British or, or even modern American, you listen to this, right? And you tell me if this doesn't apply now, okay? So it goes like this. When in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind require that they should declare the causes which impel them the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Amongst these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted amongst men driving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it, and to institute new government laying its foundations on such principles and organization and organize its power in such form as to them shall seem most likely to provide safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that people are disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms by which they have become accustomed. But a long train of abuses, usurpations, pursuing invariably the same objective, invinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been our patient sufferance, and such is now the necessity to alter the former system of government. The history of the present government is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having the direct objective, the establishment of an absolute tyranny over us. Now, does that not describe exactly where we are today, anywhere in the West? Hmm. That is why Thomas Jefferson is my third favorite American after Columbo. And 
you know, let's go out. This let's end this segment with a short extract from my first most favorite American, Johnny Cash. And in her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, refused. And the very government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare and she's wearing kind of thin. But she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Well, she's been through the fire before and she can take a whole lot more. So we raise her up every morning and we bring her down slowly every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright. On second thought, I guess I do like to brag. Cause I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag. Touching. All right. As <laughs> the God bless or goddamn America segment. <laughs> Oh, here's some news. Um, you will own nothing and leave the country is is the news, which mm. is from the United Kingdom. Because, well, I don't know if you noticed, um, did a segment about Nigel Farage a couple of days ago where he yeah. won an award at some ceremony, unimportant. Um, what was important is he gave a speech telling them they were all useless and need to go F themselves, which was very good. And then all of a sudden, his bank account was removed. And everyone was kind of shocked because it's pretty bad. The leader of the opposition having his bank account closed down. It's kind of sanctions we usually reserve for, yeah. well, supposedly foreign dictators. Well, and it's basically impossible to live in this country if you don't have a bank account. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking about this. Like, if you don't have a bank account or a current account, so you don't have a contactless card, you, um, what can you do without it? I mean, like, if you want to buy a train ticket, you better hope there's a human being there to take your money now. Yes. Because even the robots don't accept cash. They only accept contactless card. Yes. If you want to take a plane ticket, where are you going to buy the plane ticket with cash? Yeah. That's that's probably not going to happen. You can't park because all the parking meters are, are contactless now can't as well. Park anywhere. Um, if you want to get food, you better hope yeah. there's a human available. Yeah, um, quite often they just tell you that because if, if, quite a lot of uh, fast food chains now. You go into them now, and they're, they're not interested in taking your money at the till. No, they just point you to these little machines. It's quite a significant proportion of restaurants that still just don't accept cash at yes. all. Um, I mean, there's uh, even mm. some small places. I mean, there's an ice cream place in Swindon. It's quite nice that I believe just doesn't accept cash. So I, I don't even know how you'd pay your utility bills either just turn up with pennies yes how do you even pay your council tax i mean yes it's it's not no small thing anymore it is a mm. massive thing and we'll just quickly mention something on lotusias.com being why feminist immigration policy will save the west if you actually want to save the west instead of destroying it as quickly as possible but instead our society decided to uh, destroy itself as quickly as possible this isn't new either i'm sure people are well aware um at least in the uk because in 2018 for example the bad man, as we have to call him, was banned from PayPal. The reason given, he promoted hate. They couldn't tell you what. They couldn't tell you which tweet. There wasn't one. They couldn't tell you which statement. There wasn't one. They couldn't tell you what thing he did. Maybe a hand gesture. Maybe he did this. No. No reason given. Just banned from PayPal. And this was a big shock at the time. I remember people were like, what the, PayPal are banning people for political disagreements? Like, that's mm. insane. But... The shock. And a few years later, they decided they wanted to find people. Yeah, but the shock thing. was contained to like our spheres of like rightists in the UK. The wider. So uh, he's like our version party. of Alex Jones. He's he's the uh, he's the guinea pig that they try and get away with. Yeah, and if we go to the next one here, there's a link. This is the only link I happen to find. I believe it's a law firm that's trying to sue him and take his money. So obviously <laughs> they're laying out why they hate him. 
But they mention in here, talking about his bankruptcy, he struggled to get a bank account, having his accounts with NatWest, Lloyds, and HSBC closed down. He now uses an online bank that refused to name. So it wasn't just his PayPal. Suddenly his bank accounts were closed. I remember this happening because we happened to know him. And I remember him saying that Santander as well just closed his account. He was just like, what have I done? And they said, we can't tell you. So, okay. That's useful. Thanks. Yes. And again, there was outrage in our circles, but beyond that, not so much. And then if we go to the next link here, we can see the Free Speech Union, Warsaw Bank. The Free Speech Union. Sorry, the Free Speech Union have had their PayPal account closed. Reason given by PayPal? No. Hateful conduct. Just hate. Just trust yes. me, there's hate out there. And of course, this isn't the only one. This is just UK-based. Everyone remembers the trucker protests in Canada, for example, in which people had their bank accounts closed or their payment processes kicked them off or fines given out or the Canadian government trying to go after your finances. But then we no, go back here I, I to the UK. I don't get that at all in that case because, I mean, they are so blatantly controlled opposition. What do you mean? Trigonometry. I don't agree. But really? No. They're just generally that wet? No, I think they're sincere in their beliefs. Like, if you meet Constantine, he's, that's what he believes. Mm, and okay. um, this is him posting here, for example, just to get back to the UK. Trigonometry as well. Had their bank account closed. No reason given. No explanation. Just go to hell. Loser. We'll just do what we want and take your money. And uh, I believe that was with Tide, as you can see there. Mm. Some smaller thing. It's not even one of the major banks for some reason. Even the tiny banks getting on it. And as you can see here, this was the breaking news. Nigel Farage, the establishment are trying to force me out of the UK by closing my bank accounts. I have had no explanation or recourse as to why this is happening to me. This is a serious political persecution at the various highest level of our system. If they can do it to me, they can do it to you too. Um, yeah. To be fair, Nigel, they kind of already had been. Just, I'm sorry to burst the bubble, but I'm a bit annoyed in the framing of this news item by most outlets, which is, oh my God, I never saw this coming. How could they do this to Nigel? It's like, Nigel, yeah. no, they did it to us as in the spheres lower down. They can do it to you too. And now they have. And that's not to take away that this is obviously persecution and he deserves right mm. recourse, which is legislation to stop this from happening to anyone. That is the only recourse I can think of. I mean, it happened to reform and reclaim as well. They, they tried to get bank accounts and they were shut down. Yeah, because immediately um, beyond this, there's a lot of other people who have come out speaking about their stories. I mean, this one here was a Yorkshire building society closing down a vicar's account. Yeah, the local vicar. He's a terrorist. How do you know? He wrote us a letter. You might think I'm joking. He's not. Reverend Richard Forgill, who has been with the Building Society for 17 years, wrote to them online in June after he was invited by them to give general feedback. I, I, in response, they went, oh, well, you fell for that, didn't you, <laughs> idiot? He insists that his message was a polite rebuttal of their transgender ideology, which he claims was the uh, institution uh, promoting that. They were promoting it during Pride Month, of course. He received a letter four days later saying his internet savings account would be closed. The Yorkshire Building Society uh, told him in the note, seen by the Times, that it had a zero-tolerance approach to discrimination and that their relationship had irrevocably broken down. Uh, he responded by saying, I don't know how I had a relationship with you. You're a bank. I mean, I, I, we weren't going on dates. We weren't discussing politics at any time yeah. until you brought it up and asked me what my opinion was. So the vicar here, being a vicar, um, told them. And then the response was to close his bank account. Again, yeah. I mean, not 
not even a political figure in any significant light. I, I, I did see rude. the message they put out on Twitter following this. It was it was something well, along the lines of, you know, we, we do not um, tolerate discrimination in any way or any form. Well, here's the quote. You can see it's got a million views, um, not so much likes, but you can see the profile picture. And as you say, they say their problem in this specific instance was that, well, we only ever close an account if a customer is rude, abusive, violent, or discriminates in any way. Well, okay, discriminates in any way, but, but everybody discriminates in a multitude of ways every single day, from the choice of beverage to declined sexual partners. Discri discrimination is something that, that people do all of the time. So they obviously don't mean that, do they? What they mean is our brand of discrimination, which is basically our politics. Yeah. I mean, the word discrimination has been utterly bastardized in the West to just mean bad, right. even though it doesn't. I mean, yeah. price discrimination is just charging different prices with different customers. I mean, it's, it's effectively a synonym for choose. Yeah. I mean, you can see the, the response, though, is just like, go to hell, which is the correct response, in my opinion. Yes. Because, well, what if we politically disagree on what discrimination means? Well, now, now it is we political. Yeah. I mean, this isn't difficult to mm. comprehend that maybe... Certain people have been trying to use diversity and inclusion to try and censor their political opponents. Yes. Well, here you have one and several others, which we just told you about. I mean, you can see Yorkshire Building Society aren't having a great time if any of their posts talking about anything are just full of people being like, go to hell, thought police. So <laughs> there we are. Bad news for them. You can even see they started trending, which would be good news for them. The social media manager could get all um, hard about it, but instead they got all sad about it because it was people saying boycott Yorkshire Building Society on mass. Which, yeah. if you have an account with Yorkshire Building Society, your money isn't safe. Leave. I I'm not kidding. I'm genuinely, sincerely. I mean, yeah. I've been talking about this since we last did a segment about the banks being unbelievably political yeah. in this country. And um, my account was with Santander. And as we were going over this segment, I was looking up the biggest banks in the UK to try and move to. And obviously, I know it's literally impossible to find a single bank that doesn't have some kind of diversity inclusion stuff. Mm. But I went through the top 20, and the only one I could find that was the least bad, in which they had a bland statement about yes. diversity and inclusion, stock standard stuff, yes. no excess on that, no alliance with Stonewall I could see, it was Starling Bank. And as we were sitting, talking, I opened an account with Starling Bank, and in six hours I'll find out if I've been accepted, because I'm going to move my money from Santander, because to hell with that. I'm not interested. In so you couldn't find a bank that was free of this, you could only find a bank that was half-heartedly supporting it. Least bad. That's yes. the best you can hope for. And yes. um, that's that's what I'm trying. So there's that. Let's come to but this. My point being, if you are with Yorkshire Building Society, it's not just, oh, well, they might, they've done some weird things online. It's like, no, they're actively closing down accounts of people who disagree with them politically. So mm. um, why would you give them your money? I think it's a good point. That's all I'm saying. Anyway. But you can see there's more of this. Wings over Scotland. Again, just a small activist account. Not, not exactly Al-Qaeda, I would have thought. But their opinions on the things we can't talk about, because this is YouTube, yet again, right. they had their account closed, this time with HSBC. The Hong Kong Shanghai Banking Corporation has opinions on Western wokeism, do they? Really? So they checked out the person involved, so the head of financial tracking at HSBC is this individual, who is um, not just a trans woman, but also uh, he and his trans man partner uh, the top two names of the list of patrons for the controversial under-investigation charity, Mermaids. There's that information. Check that out. Pronounce His Majesty. Anyway, but you can see here, there's loads of others. This person here, just, just a random guy, just gets an email from Barclays. We're going to close your accounts. Really? Why? Well, no reason. 
just just this is maybe unexpected, too bad, happens to be a candidate for reform. Oh. Don't know how that would transpire. Right. Just happens to be a candidate for reform, and therefore his accounts are closed. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Well, Lawrence Fox, being the leader of reform, um, took it personally, and rightfully so, and wrote to Barclays on his Twitter page saying, okay, I've banked you for 20 years. I'm now going to withdraw all of my money. Give it to me. Hmm. Which I think is the right thing to do. Uh, good on you for standing up for your candidates. To be fair, well. technically, once you give it to the bank, it's no longer your money. It's their money. You're creditor to the bank. Yeah, which is why you just take it all back. And yeah. if there's a run on the banks, but some, sometimes they don't let you. Like, so literally, well, sometimes people will go into the bank and say, I want my money out, and they just won't give it to them. You could try. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I did this yeah. once, actually. I walked into a... Um, I had two bank accounts because I wanted to split the money because I was worried about one card being stolen and then mm. someone stealing all my money from the debit account, right? So I moved a bunch into another bank. And then I went down. I asked them, could they transfer it to Santander for me? And they said they couldn't for some weird reason in the middle of the pandemic. I'm like, okay, they've they not got the money then. Like, why can't you transfer it? Yeah. So I said, okay, give it to me in cash. And they kept, they kept trying to dissuade me from doing that. I was like, no, give it to me. And eventually I did get all the money in cash. Mm. I just walked out with my satchel full of it. I, I, I've, I've heard plenty of examples in. of people trying to like buy a secondhand car and they, and they go into their local branch and they mm. just won't give them that much cash. So my tip would be is if ever you want to withdraw a large amount of cash and you really need it, just go into a sort of central London bank, um, you know, near the financial <laughs> district and just ask for like your, your 18K. And when they ask for your reason, just say, well, I'm having a night out. Yeah, that'll be normal for them. Yes. So that's one way. Yes. Although he just transferred it from his online, as you can see here. He mentions yeah. uh, he's removed everything. There's all the clearings. There's 100 quid left just in case there's anything he needs to deal with. But otherwise, he's done, which is the right response. So good on Lawrence Fox. Mm. And um, again, if you literally can't trust your bank with your money because they might delete you for having wrong think, yes. don't bank with them. I, <laughs> it's kind of one of the most important things in your life, all that money you have. And if, uh, the, if they the, can just take the, it. The example of this that really scared me is there was another example because you said loads of people came out with examples. And there was this one guy basically saying how he was in, he was in, the, he was in the supermarket buying something. And uh, he got to the till and basically found out that his accounts had been closed. And so he rang the bank and they said, oh, we, we wrote to you a month ago, but he didn't see the letter or, or whatever else was going on. And they couldn't manage to ring him. So, you know, he got to the end of the, whatever the allotted month and he was just shut off. And I was just thinking, well, you know, what if, what if you're traveling or something? What if you're in the middle of India and you're relying on your card and you've only got a small amount of cash? Or, or maybe you've got your family with you or something. And then you, you just discover that your card stopped working. I mean, you, you would just be completely stranded. Yeah, you would. What the hell would you do? Well, you'd be screwed. Because well, typically, you, you, you pull out some cash and you use that locally, but you tend to wait until you haven't got much left, and then you go to the machine and you get some more. So you go to the machine, you've got, you're down to like a, you know, $100 worth of you know, whatever the local currency is, wherever the hell you are. You've got two small kids with you and the wife, and then you find that you're distracted. You, you, you just wouldn't be able to do a damn thing. Yeah, you're entirely correct. Yeah. I mean, this is why I am sincerely saying to people. Yes. You know, I mean, scalp by scalp, of course. If we're talking about actually trying to have an impact, we've, we've seen this with other rightist attempts in the United States that have gone very well recently. Um, it has to be Yorkshire Bank Society first. I mean, if you just have one, leave. Just leave. Because yeah. what if that happens to you whilst you're out in I don't know, Thailand or something? You're just yeah. screwed. Yeah. Just, just go to hell. Thanks, bank. Mm. I mean, you're literally not worth the money. I mean, there are plenty of places that will take my money. People quite like money. Yes. You don't. So rip you. Um, there's more of this as well. This guy, Dominic Lawson, he writes about the fact that not just Nigel Farage, my own daughter was blocked from opening a bank account for absurd and perverse reasons. Now, he mentions some details in it. So he mentions firstly, on Nigel's bank mm. account, although he didn't give the name of the bank, it is understood to be Coots & Co. 
the yeah. poshest of all banks, with many members of the royal family as account holders. Now, apparently they're owned by NatWest, which is owned by NatWest Group, hmm. and the government owns 39% of NatWest Group. Uh, they're meant to sell that because they brought it during the financial crisis and uh, it's been yes. 20 years and they've still got... a quarter past the next crisis now. Yeah, they've just cowled on to 39% of that banking group's shares. Mm. And then for some reason, Nigel Farage's account is closed. And it's like, okay, great. But he says in here about his instance. So he's the posh boy of an old MP. Yes. Okay? Raised in Eton. Yes. Posh accent. Posh upbringing. I mean, the kind of people who would have privilege in any other tone in yes. human history. He says, in 2016, we well, decided to open a bank account for his daughter. She has Down syndrome. This was not something she could do herself. But when my wife, Rosa, went to Barclays in our nearest town, where Rosa had been an account holder for many years, she was told it was not possible for Dominisa to have an account. No reason was given. Fortunately, Rosa knew the manager there, a position that no longer exists, in a branch that itself was about to close. Gotta love the modern world, because instead, if you're not, you know, in that position, we now can just talk to a robot. And yes, it'll tell you shut up. Uh, he said he would look into the matter. He came back to Rosa and said, "I'm really sorry, but it's out of my hands. It's because of money laundering risks. Uh, the Down syndrome daughter was going to be money laundering." Mm. Yeah, no, she wasn't. Quote: I know this sounds ridiculous, but this is because of Dominique's grandfather. He is a politically exposed person. This was a reference to Nigel Lawson, my late father, the former Chancellor, who was then a member of the House of Lords. So because you're the granddaughter of someone who is politically exposed, you're not allowed a bank account. The thing is, Lawson is absolute establishment. Yeah, 100%. You, you can see them going after the, you know, the foreman, the claim people, and the UKIP people. That sort of makes sense to me. But going after people who are directly part of the regime, yeah, and their grandchildren... That seems ridiculous. It's weirdly mad. He says, eventually we did manage to open an account for Dominisa. Uh, it involved mostly just extensive form filling and a long to and fro between Barclays and themselves uh, and the compliance people in London. So I had to go that far. I mean, if you've got this ability to do that, then great. They later tried to open an account with HSBC for the same reasons, for a charity that Dominisa was working with. Uh, HSBC denied the account. Great. This time, though, it wasn't because of the grandfather. It was because of her elder brother, Christopher, who was a Viscount. So that made her a politically exposed person because... He's a very, very minor noble. Yes. Really, really weird. Yeah. None of this makes any sense, it seems. And then other people came out with their story. So this chap here, when I was a member of the European Parliament, after a month of paying my bills on time and having a stable income and outgoings, Metro Bank decided to call me and cancel my account without explanation. Yeah, I actually had this personally. So I tried to open, well, we did set up a UKIP branch in Reading. And of course, setting it up, we need to go about a bank account. So we went to Metro, zero right there. We're thinking, aren't you run by Malaysia? Hmm. Yeah, you're not really going to care about British politics, we presumed, because we were worried about that kind of interference. So we went to Metro Bank and they just refused to open one for us and then wouldn't give us a reason. So there you are, Metro Bank, also not to be trusted if you're dealing with that. It, it, is it that these banks are going woke, or is there something in the background, some regulator pulling strings? Both. The regulator also going woke. And we'll be able to prove that. You can also see here, this is another former member of the European Parliament for the Brexit Party. Only ever seems to go one way, for some reason. Anyway, she said, after several months, I was elected as a Brexit Party MEP. My family had all of their accounts closed, even though I was a loyal customer for 30 years. 
This is their reply, in which they just went... And her family. Yes. They just go, um, terribly oh, sorry. Collective punishment. That is... Nationwide here. We're closing all your accounts. Uh, can't go into detail, though. That is social credit system shit, that is. Yeah. Because it's, it's bad enough when they go after you, but when they... But, and, and the thing is, it... It is a really effective mechanism as well. Well, it's why we use it for sanctioning our enemies. Yes. You ever noticed, yes. you, you know, that thing with Russia or something, and yes. then we, we, create, we, we closed all their bank accounts. Yes. And we do it to our own opposition for a different reason, I swear. It's for money laundering or something. But, but it is so powerful, because if you think about it, look, if, if you don't like the current system, because, I mean, our current system, it's not... It's not crushingly awful. I mean, it is, but in a slow boil way. It's, it's like chronic awful rather than acute awful. So everybody sort of wants to change the system that we're under, but it, it's not, a, not an absolute question of life or death. You can, you can sort of wear it for another year or two, and then you think you must do something about it. But if by doing this, basically what they're doing is they're because you would have to basically ruin your ability to live in the country and your family so it just isn't worth it. You just let you just let the system grind you down. This is the reason. The reason I added you will leave the country is because Nigel Farage is saying that he is thinking of just leaving the country, and yeah. I can't blame him. We we spoke about this previously anyway. Just the, the state of the UK because of the Conservative Party complete mismanagement. Did, did uh, the chap that can't be named to you started the segment on? I, I think he has he left the country now. Uh, sorry, who are you speaking about? Uh, Tr. Oh, um, well, he can't leave the country. They they keep him here. Against his will. Right. Which is great. Uh, for people who don't know, he tried to go to Mexico. And upon arrival in Mexico to just have a holiday with his family, the British government called up the Mexican government and enforced that he return back to the UK. So he just was pulled away from his family's holiday. I was like, thanks. Thanks, guys. And again, this, this shit will spread to other people who question the system. So the point here is that they're just actively trying to destroy us. I mean, the, as mentioned, this is the sort of thing you do to geopolitical enemies, and they'll do it to us for mm. some other reason. Now, this was raised in the House of Commons, as you can see Nigel Farage mentioning here, that David Davis apparently stood up in Parliament and asked, why are you doing this? And the response from the government was that, well, we, we wouldn't do that to political opponents. It's, it's meant to be there for corrupt regimes. So this was only about Nigel Farage here that they were speaking, when the government were like, oh, terribly sorry, if there anything is going wrong, we'll deal with it. They noticed. What was Tommy's banning about then? Yes. I, this isn't new. This isn't convincing. I, it's just blatant. And it happened to happen to Nigel Farage in this case, which has blown it up. And no, rightfully, obviously, he deserves uh, justice. But I do find it infuriating the way the British system works, which is that if you're the wrong kind of person, you just go to hell. It just doesn't affect us. So why bother? But because it went up to an account which Nigel holds with a bank which is as mentioned, as rich as it gets, all of yeah. a sudden, people in the establishment... But it, but it basically care. just comes down to um, Nigel Farage has a sufficient number of friends and a sufficient reach that he can, he can push back on this. But it's, it's a classic thing with the system. We're going to encroach and we're going to encroach and we're going to encroach until we get too far. We cross the line and we get pushback and then we're going to come back one step and then we're just going to wait. And we're going to wait till everybody forget about it. And then we're going to start encroaching again. So this is this obviously isn't going to stop. This this native sanctioning will continue. It's just going to pause now. But my point being, it's it's hilarious when you really dig that politics in the West very much works as politics in the East, mm. which is that, yes, they do try and utterly destroy the opposition. And only when it is publicly enough embarrassing will they try and tone it down a bit. Mm. It's just in the East, they can get more away with it, of course. I'm not saying they can't. 
Nigel Farage gives us an update. He says he's now had his ninth bank rejection confirmed since he was banned. Uh, he says here, I maybe need to fight this in the law for the sake of moment for so many people. I don't want to live in communist China. Great. Good luck, Lap. It's uh, ridiculous. And of course, if it was some kind of minor issue about Lundy laundering or something, why would he be banned from nine other banks? It's almost like there was an order put out. Anyway, what's the establishment response? Let's check real quick. We have Kay Burley here of Sky News, Arthur Establishment. Came out and said, if eight separate bank accounts don't want your custom, I suppose you'd start to wonder why. I think the, the left just doesn't get it. Because it will never be her. But, but they don't understand principles. No, but they don't have any. They don't need to. Yes. It will never be Kay Burley. She's as establishment as it gets, working for essentially a government mouthpiece, Sky News, mm. which is owned by MSNBC. So it's just, yeah, you are a piece of the regime. She doesn't have the cash. She can literally just gloat about it instead. And there's more of this. This guy here came out with uh, a corker. First, they came for Nigel Farage, and I held the door open and pointed at Nigel Farage. It, I guess yeah. so. You don't, you don't have anything to worry about. You're part of Stalin's inner circle. Who cares? But, okay, there's, there's another point underlying this, because this is how the left operate. The left operate on the basis of, we're going to give you Gibbs for our team, and we're going to punish the other team. And the right come along and say, oh, what we're going to do is we're going to make it fair for everybody. But no, I don't, I don't want that. What I want is I want the same version of what they're doing because I'm fed up with this. Well, that would be oppression. Whereas what's happening now is liberation. I mean, I, I'm sorry to say that. If, you know, but yeah, but you, if, 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 if we're... It's, it's insane. We're well, being too bloody nice about this stuff. We are. Definitely are. I agree. The government did give a response. You can see the con government here is coming out and saying, well, maybe banks should uphold free speech. Local man wakes up for two seconds to think something <laughs> might be going wrong in the country. Utterly useless. Completely wasted my time. As Jeremy Hunt sits here and says he's deeply concerned. He should be concerned several years ago. But no, nothing. You don't care. I, I'm sorry. I don't actually um, feel very convinced that these people care at all. All they're a bit worried about, the deep concern there, is maybe it will go and start affecting them personally. Yes. That's it. That's all they care about. You can see more here. I mean, look at the banks. I mean, the state of them. This story came out. People of any gender can be pregnant. Bank of England states. Hello, Wait. bank. Well, including, the two, <laughs> including the two spirit people. The, the, the money man has come here to tell me about gender, has he? The reason being, in case you're wondering, they, they say in here that, um, well, Andrew Bailey's under pressure in the central bank, which is uh, battling to bring down inflation under control, whilst he also pays for his staff to have gender reassignment surgery using private medical insurance. What's wrong with the NHS, huh? Anyway, but they says in here, the, the Bank of England's view and actions were included in its 2022 summation of uh, top 100 employers published by Stonewall. Oh, oh, that's why. Stonewall. I can't, we can't go into the debate anymore because of YouTube rules. Yes. But I can do. tell you what's happening there, which is that Stonewall have said some things and the Bank of England are enforcing the things and all the other banks, which are all up for it. I mean, not to be that guy, but Liz Truss was right when she said, ditch Stonewall yeah. if you don't want to be controlled by them. Uh, the Bank of England, in case you're wondering, gives them about £3,000 a year. This is just public information. But I mean, that, that is classic list trust. She's right, but not bright. Uh, well, you don't need to be if you're mm. right. And mm. she was actually effective at making sure that I think it was like 100 government institutions yes. stopped giving three grand a year to Stonewall. That's yes. 300 grand yes. for protection money. It's pretty good if you're Stonewall. Yeah, it, is, it is protection money, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. With that. And uh, we'll just end this off with the next thing here, being that, as you see, Telegraph saying most high street banks are signed up to Stonewall. They mention in here, for example, HSBC. Of course, they also allow their uh, customers to register as gender neutral. A uh, NatWest, which is one third owned by the government, is also paying the charity. So there we are. Can you That's get a gender reassignment to corruption. gender neutral? I 
Don't know. I suppose we'll have to ask Stonewall. Barclays, they offer private medical coverage for employees, including transitioning. Uh, Nationwide encourages its staff to use pronouns in its signature. Both of them are also paying money to Stonewall every single year, so there we are. Uh, Lloyd's Banking Group, which runs its own branches, as well as Halifax and Bank of Scotland, were the only major lenders to fail to respond to queries about the scheme, but I'm pretty sure they actually do pay Stonewall anyway, so what's the point in even asking them? You know. Now, I don't know what to do about this. Either legislation happens, and we're actually given a single right yeah. in this country to at least have a bank account and not have it taken away for disagreeing with someone politically, or, I mean, I'm, I'm giving the same remedy I've given previously, which is this country's finished. The hell with it. I, I'm, this is why I'm so yes. blackpilled and anything to do with this place. So I don't bother talking about UK politics ever anymore. Who cares? It's completely unrepresentative. We have a government nobody elected for several years. Everyone acts like it's fine. And the next one will be, presumably, if the polls are to be believed, or at least continue to go that way. Yes. Um, just the same sort of thing. We, we're going to swap from a party that believes in, in a whole set of things that we don't like and is coloured blue to another party which believes in all of the same things coloured but red. is coloured red. And this isn't because the British public can't stand what's going on. We've been through the data. The British public can't be bothered to vote because, well, for example, mm. um, what was it? Immigration Watch. They put out a, a, <laughs> a tweet a while back where they said that, well, there's there's no reason to do anything uh, un- untoward about immigration, of course. I can't mention what, because I'll get in trouble with the law. We should, we can only fight at the ballot box. And then a month before that, they tweeted that the British public had voted six times at the ballot box to lower immigration, and nothing had been done. In fact, immigration had tripled. So there's yeah. that. That's, the, that's just a fact, is what I'm stating. The other thing I can think of is, based bank when? For people who don't know, the Bank of Dave was a thing. This was a chap after the 2008 financial crisis decided that the UK banks were all corrupt. Um, correct diagnosis. So his solution was, what if I just open my own bank in Burnley and just give money out to people in Burnley? And he did. And he even took on high-risk customers who obviously were very bad with their money, would take up payday loans and all kinds of crap and um, get huge amounts of debt. Any other bank would just reject them because they're not worth dealing with. But because he was local and they knew him, it actually was a success on that basis because there was a personal aspect Mm. Anything more local is always better. And they would have a relationship with well, that's how banking like, started. Yeah. And he would say, you know, come on, you know, I'm trying to run this bank I've just set up. They've taken you on as a customer. And they, they would feel bad and actually sort their lives out and then pay off the debt. Mm. And since then, Burnley Savings and Loans is the new name and it's going well. It's got its own TV, um, I think, movie called Bank of Dave. Yeah. But it is hilarious. Bank of Based, I think, would be nice if anyone could sort that out. I don't know how to start a bank. So I don't. Hmm. But if anyone does, let's know. But we'll end this off with just one piece of news that happened just before we went live, which we saw the BBC running damage control for everything is fine. Don't worry about it. They ran with Nigel Farage's bank account was shut for, for falling below the wealth limit. They were saying in here that to have a bank account with that particular bank, you needed a minimum of £1 million in the account. Yeah. And for some reason, they happened to find out that he hadn't, which they couldn't have got without breaking the law <laughs> because, well, obviously... It's private information. So someone at the bank either broke the law or the BBC have broke the law in finding out that he didn't have that amount in there. So that's a possible argument for Coots, but how does that explain the other eight? Well, it doesn't explain anything, of course. Yes. This is obviously just them trying to run damage control and be like, everything is yes. fine, except the new normal. It's not fine. They called up Nigel Farage for comment, and he obviously pointed out, well, I've had that account for the same situation for 10 years. Nobody cared. So that doesn't even make sense. Mm. Your reason given is an obvious lie. But then, even if it was about just, oh, you didn't have enough in the bank account, that doesn't explain why I've been rejected by nine other banks already mm. who don't have a minimum. I mean, their minimum is a pound. Yes. I think I've got a pound. 
Yeah. I'm Nigel Farage, for Christ's sake. <laughs> but they don't care. Anyway, that's the deets. That's what's happened, which is the, the um, SmackDown has finally come. Uh, seemingly controlled by Stonewall. Any bank that signed up to Stonewall's goals mm. has done this. So there's that. There's the regulator themselves with the ESG scores we've been over previously. Yeah. who are obviously also engaging in this kind of clampdown. And um, if you're a rightist, you need to be worried, genuinely. I mean, mm. we've had this conversation in the office with everyone just been like, do I need to move my money? Do I need to set up an American bank account just in case? What am I going to do? Mm. And you and me have been showing each other like what we've been up to to try and yep. get around that sort of thing. So um, plan accordingly. It's, it's, we don't live in a free country. We haven't for years. I, I don't think in my lifetime there's ever been any concept that Britain is a free country. And now it is um, worse than ever so far that we will be sanctioned the same way Russian oligarchs are for daring to disagree with the government. Sorry to bring the bad news, but it's the news. It's sort of an internal coup, isn't it? Yeah. I shall give you the box. Ooh. I don't know how to use the box, but were you, I will. Were I will. you not using the box before? Well, I have, but I, I ended up breaking it and things just started spinning all over the place. Well, good luck. I'll figure it out. It can't be, can't be that hard, is it? Right. So, in the not-too-distant past, there was, a, there was a military coup in a nuclear-armed superpower. Now, I'm not actually referring to that one that you covered last week. Do you remember that one you covered last week? The, I, there's actually quite a few countries yeah. that have had that sort of... Oh, you mean Wagner? Yeah, no, I'm, right, not, no okay. I'm, not, I'm not referring to that one. But there, there was that <laughs> when, when people got very excited for the space of about a day. But no, I'm not referring to that um, military coup in a nuclear-armed superpower. Um, I'm referring to, uh, to something else. Oh, do I have to press a button? Uh, press play. Uh, no, no, this is good. This is all good. This is so strong. Yeah! This is Get down, Mr. President. He's going to save the world. So for those who are listening, uh, some chaps are shuffling around inside the Senate. Is that? Is that the Senate? They're being very courteous. There's a chap with horns. He's carrying a flag. And uh, there's a police officer behind him. I can't believe Wagner PMC would do this. In, in the police officer, I notice in no danger of his life whatsoever, and he's having a bit of a chat with them. Well, clearly, this is the new president. Why would you be scared? Yes. One of them's calling his mum. But no, that uh, he's in the Senate. Oh, the horns man has now taken the chair. The police officer is, is wandering around to have a chat. He, he, he's evidently terrified. Because, of course, uh, police officers were slaughtered recently that day. And the uh, chap's still on the phone to his mum. Now the horn man is calling his mum, which is all very exciting. I think it ends about here anyway. Right, yes. So, actually, I'm not even referring to that. Right, because that wasn't a The worst event in all of human history? No. Uh, because, right. because uh, you know, that, that was obviously a stitch-up and all of those people are political prisoners who have been rotting in jail for God knows how many years now. What, is it three years now? And they're not even being charged and given their, given their court dates. So, you know, that, that, is, that is a massive stitch-up. So, no, I'm not talking about that, the Wagner one or that one. I am actually going to talk about a genuine coup. You know, the moment when a quasi-military organisation took over a country on behalf of a permanent establishment or the deep state, a moment that a democratically elected president was assassinated, right? And ever since that, the deep state has been wearing democracy like a skin suit, basically. 
Um, so there is democracy, but only up to a point, and only when it doesn't threaten the interests of uh, you know the, the powerful vested interests. Let's look at that moment. So I'm showing you footage from a uh, from a sunny day in Dallas, Texas. It's November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. We've got a uh, we've got a presidential cavalcade coming around the Sean corner, waving to the crowd, and basically we had to we had to we had to stop it there. Otherwise, we we, we would get age something of, happened. Yes, yeah, some something happened. Local man lost his head. Yes, we 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 would get age appropriate restricted if if I carried on that clip for for one more second. Um. So yes. So <clears throat> yeah, I'll cut that just in time, but. Coups genuinely have happened um, in, in these countries. Now, I'm going to build my case here. I'm going to start. So, off. hang on. Let's get, let's get this straight. You're yes. saying that the assassination of JFK was a coup by some group. Yeah, a quasi military internal organization it is a genuine coup. It is a genuine coup. Right. Let's, let's start my case on this um, with Dwight D. Eisenhower. Now, Dwight, um, he was a, a five star general, he was a, a World War II uh, hero um, who later became president. So, so local nobody. A, what? Local nobody. Yes. So so he is a man who genuinely understands the military and the government. Because you're a five star general, um, president of the United States, that's a pretty good CV. You know, you you, <laughs> you know, you could get some after dinner speaking gigs with that. So probably work at McDonald's. He yes, he felt the need in his um, farewell address of, of 1961 to issue a warning about the rise of the military-industrial complex, um, a force which he feared could take control of American democracy. You know, his words were, were ominous on this. It was, it was a prophecy of battle to come. So let's see what Dwight had to say. From the White House in the office of the President of the United States, we present an address by Dwight D. Eisenhower. This is the farewell address for President Eisenhower, whose eight years as chief executive come to an end at noon Friday. Mr. Eisenhower has chosen this time for his final speech. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together okay so let's let's just pull that apart a little bit shall we <clears throat> as i'm just going to recap that line at a time because i think that is pretty significant so in the councils of government we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence whether sought or unsought by the military industrial complex right so it's pretty clear what his concern is there, okay? The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist, right? We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or our democratic processes. So clearly, this well-qualified man genuinely believed that there was a ever-present clear danger to the liberties and democratic process when he gave that speech. We should take nothing for granted. He then goes on to say, 
Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defence with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. So here's a question for our American viewers. Does the American school system and the American mainstream media in combination produce alert and knowledgeable citizens? It's not meant to. No. No, I think that's fair to say. Uh, I think it's the case that alert and knowledgeable citizens are basically pushed to the fringes, called conspiracy theorists, and um, you know removed from the public era. Uh, as per your last segment in the in the UK, they are now being debanked and basically forced to leave the country if they question the system in any way. So being alert and knowledgeable in our in our, in the current West is basically rather hazardous. So the key defence which Dwight outlined there has been thoroughly dismantled so that we, we can't basically question this stuff. So anyway, that's my setup for this. Um, enter John F. Kennedy. So he's, he's a young, charismatic president, and, and he decides that he's going to take on this, uh, this behemoth. Now, JFK came into office with suspicions about the unchecked power of the intelligence agencies, um, particularly the CIA. And the JFK was said to have been so furious after the Bay of Pigs incident, an operation which was planned and executed by the CIA, that he privately vowed to splinter the CIA into a thousand pieces right, and scatter it to the winds. Now, if you want to go deeper on what I'm talking about there is, is I would go and look at the Joe Rogan interview with um, RFK. RFK is, is, is JFK's nephew. And he basically breaks down the whole timeline of what happened there about how uh, JFK wasn't really up for the invasion of Cuba, but the CIA pushed it relentlessly and lied to him at every step in order to get his get his acquisition uh, uh, to, 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 to go one step further and were constantly lying and trying to put him into a situation where he had to go to, to full military escalation. And it was this event that made JFK realize that the CIA could not be trusted and resulted in the firing of, of, of Alan Dulles the chief of the CIA. So the CIA is, is an institution. It's deeply entwined with the fabric of American power structures, and they were not really prepared to sort of let that happen. So that's why we had the incident we showed you in the video, the November 1922, um, so in November uh, 22nd of, of 1963, Dallas, Texas, JFK is assassinated. Now, the official narrative put the blame on Lee Harvey Oswald, a lone gunman. But you know, for those who question the official story, Oswald is a rather convenient uh, scapegoat in all of this. The precision of that shot, if you've ever spoken to somebody who knows their guns. I've never got into the, the JFK thing, yeah. so I don't really know anything about it. There is, there, is a, there is a bit of magic trajectory going on in order to, to get off those three shots from, from his position. So it's, it, it is rather uh, uh, suspicious. Then, of course, we had the incredibly swift cleanup and removal of the president's body. And it all sort of points to a sort of coordinated operation. Now, of course, so we've got Oswald. we got him in custody. And then um, a day, uh, two days later, um, Jack Ruby... Uh, basically intercepts um, Oswald as he's being transferred from the prison van and um, shoots him dead. Why? Uh, because apparently he was outraged about him shooting the, uh, the president. That's that's the official story. So he 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 was a nightclub owner and um, low level uh, mafioso. And and he why, why would he care? Well, apparently he did. And then and then Jack Ruby, of course, went to went to jail. And he was considered to be of sound mind at the time he did. Everybody who knew him knew he was of sound mind. Um, and then he was visited in prison by um, somebody from the CIA. And after that, he developed um, severe mental issues. 
and has been sort of babbling incoherently ever after. Um, here's the Tucker segment on this. Let's see what Tucker has to say. A lone gunman murders the president of the United States, and then, less than 48 hours later, that lone gunman is himself murdered by another lone gunman. What are the odds of that? It's one thing if you get struck by lightning, rare but possible. But if every member of your family also gets struck by lightning all on different days, you might begin to suspect these are not entirely natural events. But oh, replied the US government, they are. This bizarre chain of killings was all entirely natural. So less than a year after the JFK assassination, the Johnson White House released something called the Warren Commission Report. And the report concluded that while their motives remained unclear, both Lee Oswald and Jack Ruby had acted alone. No one helped them. There was no conspiracy of any kind. Case closed. Time to move on. And many, many Americans did move on. At the time, they had no idea how shoddy and corrupt the Warren Commission was. It would be nearly 50 years before the CIA admitted under duress that, in fact, it had withheld information from investigators about its relationship with Lee Harvey Oswald. So, as Tucker mentions there, the Warren Commission comes next on this, and it is tasked with um, investigating the JFK assassination. Right? Lyndon B. Johnson himself, um, who assumed the presidency after, after JFK, he personally appoints the committee members. Now, remember I mentioned that JFK's primary feud was with Alan Dulles, the former CIA chief who basically lied to him and then JFK said, right, we're going we're gonna to get rid of the CIA. And he fired Alan Dulles. Now, Alan Dulles was then out of the picture in terms of you know, sitting behind a desk, but of course he had all of the network, all of the connections. He was sort of viewed as the sort of unofficial chief from beyond the wall type. So he still had all the, all the connections. So the, the, the primary suspect in a lot of this is, is obviously going to be Alan Dulles. Now, can you guess who Linton, Lyndon Johnson appoints to head up the Warren Commission? It is Alan Dulles. Yes. So he gets appointed to, to look into this. Bit of a, bit of a um, conflict of interest, we might say. Um, the Warren Commission then does a sort of very nice um, whitewash on this, wraps it all up. Um, I think we've got one more bit on Tucker from that. It was at that point, as Americans started to doubt the official story, that the term conspiracy theory entered our lexicon. As Professor Lance DeHaven-Smith points out in his book on the subject, the term conspiracy theory did not exist as a phrase in everyday American conversation before 1964. In 1964, the year the Warren Commission issued its report, the New York Times published five stories in which conspiracy theory appeared. Now today, of course, the term conspiracy theory appears in pretty much every New York Times story about American politics. It's wielded, now as then, as a weapon against anyone who asks questions the government doesn't feel like answering. That's suspicious. Now let's bring into this story Bobby Kennedy, okay? So Bobby Kennedy um, is um, uh, JFK's brother. He's, he's the younger brother of, of JFK. Um, now we know from RFK, who's running for president, of course, at the moment, that the moment that um, um, Bobby saw that his brother had been murdered in this way, the very first thing he did was pick up the phone to the CIA and say, did you do this? Um, he had been appointed by JFK to basically do some reforms on a lot of this stuff on the justice system and the, the intelligence operatives. So he basically knew um, what they were up to in, in, in many cases on this. So 
what he did was he decided that he was going to run for president himself um, and he was going to run on a platform of ending the Vietnam War and basically reigning in the intelligence services. He's literally running on, they killed my brother. Well, sort of, yes. And, right. and also, we're going to take away the power of the military-industrial complex by shutting down the Vietnam War and um, the people who feed the top of the hopper, which is the CIA. So he, he runs on that platform. And um, he, does, he does rather well, actually. He wins the, he wins the Democratic Party um, nomination. And he gives his victory speech just after winning it um, in the um, in the pantry of the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. Um, so he's he's just won the won the nomination. He's probably going to win the won, win the presidency. And after he leaves his speech, he then basically goes out through the back, escorted by his security team. He goes through the kitchen, at which point he is shot thirteen times in the back, apparently by some Palestinian chap who worked in the kitchen. Um, for reasons that we don't particularly know why. Um, and after searching this uh, Palestinian chap, they discovered a gun on his person which holds six bullets. And he was stood in front of... So he reloaded twice. And, well, yes. Well, three times, technically. He, he got lazy on the last reload and just put the one bullet in. And also he managed to fire his bullets in a way that even though he was stood in front of Bobby, he managed to get them into, into Bobby's bag, which is quite impressive shooting. Ricochets? Well, something like that. So um, RFK has uh, has visited this this man in jail um, since, and um, he's convinced that he did not kill his father. Now you might think, you know, this man has a vested interest because if you're going to be sitting down in front of the man who who is supposed to have killed your father, you know, there's going to be no love lost in that situation. But you know, he's he's told him straight up, you know, I don't believe you did this. Sh shaking his hand. So RFK is now running for for president, but that's that's that's, that's a different story. The next part in the um, in in this particular story is I'm going to ask you to consider the HSCA, which is the House Select Committee on Assassinations. So this was established. Well, they ordered them, or well, it basically it did, it did JFK and Martin Luther. That, that that that's the approach it came on. Now this was a few years later. This was in 1976, and it looked into the investigation of you know the, the JFK and the Martin Luther one, and the committee released its final report in 1979. Right, and it was a, it was a bipartisan agreement as well. Now they concluded that Kennedy was probably assassinated as a result of a conspiracy. Again, bipartisan agreement here. Um, you know, looking into this without. You know, with as much of the original evidence as they could, they could, uh, they could pull together. However, the committee stated they were unable to identify the other gunman or the extent of the conspiracy. These were the guys who sort of said, you know, there, there probably was a second gunman in the JFK um, shooting. It further concluded that um, scientific acoustic evidence established the high probability that there were two gunmen who fired at JFK. Um, and other scientific evidence that they brought into that. The committee believed on this basis available to it that President JFK was probably assassinated as a result of a conspiracy, uh, blah, blah, blah. The committee found that the original federal investigation was seriously flawed in respect to information sharing. Basically, there was a whitewash. Another interesting angle I always find on this is um, Nikita Khrushchev. The, um, the Soviet leader at the time. So um, he was he was um, Soviet leader at the time, and um, he basically had a good relationship with JFK. And they were talking because they were they were able to have this report, and they were talking about de-escalation, military de-escalation. 
Um, and according to um, to his son um, Sergei Khrushchev, um, uh, Nikita took took it quite hard at the, the the assassination because he thought, okay, well, this is our chance for peace and de-escalation based well, on because it was bankrupting the Soviet Union. They couldn't well, actually keep up with the Americans. Yeah, I mean, so 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 that 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 would be the the, the most favourable spin that you could put on it. The other one could be that maybe he wasn't an utter psychopath and didn't want you know ever end never ending um, military escalation. So anyway, a short while later, a recruit uh, a reporter decided to ask um, Khrushchev what he thought of the assassination, and he paused for quite a long time thinking about how he's going to answer it, and then he simply says, "Think about who benefits." Because he didn't benefit, but he was asking who does benefit. So that's a good question. Who does benefit from the assassination of JFK? Here's three names I'm going to throw at you. Alan Dulles, we've already mentioned him, former chief of the CIA. Um, Lyndon B. Johnson, obviously, he became president. And, and he probably would have had to have been in on this because he had to appoint um, um, uh, Alan Dulles to the Warren Commission. To do the cover up, and 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 Dulles was uh, of course uh, you know, reappointed after this. Um, and the other chap is um, Douglas Dillon. He was um, he was um, JFK's Secretary of the Treasury, and he basically was in charge of the um, the Secret Service um, on that day. And they were basically um, extremely poorly organised in a way that sort of made this 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 very accessible. Um, another question of who benefits would be the military industrial complex. So it's worth talking about how did the military industrial complex benefit out of all of this? Well, first thing, escalation of the Vietnam. War. That's a pretty big one. Um, growth of the defense industry significantly. Expansion of the intelligence community. Increased military spending. Um, because, of course, ever since then, military spending has increased um, you know, on an ongoing basis to being well over a trillion at this point. Now, there has only been, apart from you know this period of JFK, there has only ever been one short period in, in U.S. history where the um, president has refused to start any new war and has decided to um, favor de-escalation as opposed to escalation. And I'm referring, of course, to Trump. Donald Trump. Exactly. A man who has basically got um, um, Democratic and MSM um, sponsorship um, in order to get him to be the Republican nominee in 2016 because they thought he would be an easy win. And then it turned out he wasn't an easy win. And when he ran for re-election, he was the only president ever to um, basically get an, an increased vote share on his second term. Um, and I was watching the uh, the betting markets that night because I had a bet on Trump and uh, I saw the live odds on him as they counted the votes um, going up and up and up until he was like 5x um, likely to beat Joe Biden. So the betting markets were, you know, very clear. This man is going to win the election for the second time. Um, then about 3 a.m. happened. Then he lost. Yes. And things happened. Um, it turned out that at that point he was up against the most popular president of all time. A man Still so is. Yes. A man so popular we now realize that the only reason Obama won is because he had Joe Biden as his, as his VP. So... <laughs> Um, you know, I, I would just ask you this. Um, it is literally the CIA's job, and, and nobody disputes this, it is literally the CIA's job to carry out assassinations, to destabilize countries, to conduct color revolutions, to manipulate elections abroad, obviously, outside of the US. You know, that, that, well, that, all that regulation about banking and sanctioning people was meant to be used abroad as well. Yes, interesting point. Yes. Um, now, the reason the CIA do this, of course, is to serve U.S. interests. 
And I'm just thinking, isn't it jolly lucky that at no point during um, any of their history has anyone at the CIA get confused at where exactly the boundaries are between the US interests and their own lie? Now, if you would like to learn more about this, go to the website where Bo has written a bloody fantastic article on um, the JFK thing. So if you're like um, Callum and you've never really looked at this one, go and read that article and it will make the case that I've made only um, significantly better and and, and well-written and so on. So um, basically summing up, yes, coups do happen in uh, military um, superpowers, nuclear armed military superpowers. but I'm not referring to the one in Russia, and I'm not referring to the one um, when people France. wandered around the Senate with horns on their head. Um, you know, this stuff actually happens, and maybe democracy, like I say, has been worn as a skin suit ever since. Should we get a video comments? Yes, let's do that. Cheery a note, I would hope. the hands right so you can tell it's not um, AI. Good Sophie. Sorry, that's just the Sophie's making a puppet for anyone who hasn't seen. That's what she's been Presumably this is going to be a number of them and we're going to, we're going to see the puppet evolve, I'd imagine. I assume so. Um, otherwise, let's go to the next one. I just had a bit of a quibble with um, Callum's take about the Algerians being kind of justified in their hatred of the French. And what he says isn't untrue, but it does leave out the fact that up until like the 1850s, like the Algerian Barbary states were slaving people all across the Mediterranean. And no matter how many times we bribed them or, you know, put new people in charge, they kept doing it. So the only way for it to stop was for the French to actually conquer them. I mean, it is probably done with ulterior motives, but that is the case. Oh, I wasn't denouncing French imperialism. I think it's obviously glorious, but because um, I mean, you're dealing with actual barbarians who are stealing your people. Don't get me wrong. My my point of bringing up the the Algerians um, probably hate you because of all the crimes you committed against them, which were crimes against humanity as late as the 60s. Was that don't bring them to France? Just whatever you do, just don't bring them to France. Yeah. I mean, I, my my underlying point in every part of that was these people should never have been brought here, and it's a terrible, terrible liberal lie. To sit there and be like, oh, we'll just integrate them and make them French like everyone else because isn't everyone French if they're in France? It's Magic like, soil fallacy. Actual yep. and madness. So that, sorry, I wasn't very yeah. clear, obviously, because it wasn't just yourself. A lot of other people were thinking I was saying something else, which I wasn't. Um, I, I was saying that they should not be brought there. And um, that's the re- response, which is that if the French state hadn't have tried to make Algeria an integral part of France, there wouldn't be Algerians in France in the same way that you wouldn't try to import loads of Malians for the same reason. Mm. And instead they did. And that was stupid. And anyone who thought that was a good idea just doesn't understand humanity and is believing liberal nonsense of like, aren't we all the same? No, no. Otherwise we wouldn't be able to tell the difference between us. Anyway, sorry, but uh, that's a uh, fair comment because I didn't, I wasn't clear enough, but look at the next one. Good afternoon, Lotus Eaters. I want to take this week of our 4th of July to talk about the United States and its identity. It does have a ethnic heritage, and the United States is basically a PVP server of ideologies, uh, economic drivers, and migration. Uh, the United States, according to Colin Woodward in his 2012 book, uh, The 11 Nations of the United States, there are several ethnic regions which are constantly fighting against each other. Uh, take, for instance, Yankeedom. 
Uh, Yankeedom is the source of a lot of this wokeness and also the source of the main like, Harvard-level educational institutions that are destroying the country. Uh, yeah, they don't get along with the Deep South or Greater Appalachia. But I'll go into more details on these sections in the coming week. That is interesting. I want to, yeah, I want to learn more about that. I was actually at the Shieldings event. There was a guy who gave like an hour-long speech about that map, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. The only thing I don't like about that map is obviously, as you mentioned, 2012. It's been a while, and there's been a lot of immigration to the US. So I, I think you could use an update, but otherwise, it's a good yeah. map and uh, a very interesting point. I do love the other ones as well, where they try and show exactly which parts of the United States correspond to the immigration, depending on which parts of the UK. So you can actually yes. see where like people from Newcastle ended up, yes. et cetera, which is always good fun. This is what I was trying to explain to Josh the other day, is that, that black people are basically Cornish. Do I want to get it's, into this? It's something about the language. It's, 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 it's like, you know, Cornish people oh, say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I the, be, they be, we The Obonics thing. Yeah, I've heard this yeah. argument before. Yeah. It's, it's not a terrible one. Yeah. Go to the next one. Got a cat here. This is Marshmallow. This kitten. I found him out on the street. Someone threw him out of a box a right fat, in front of me kitten, as I was on my evening walks. I couldn't just let him die. So Kitty's I took him car. in and raised him up. He's a chubby little man. He likes to cuddle and loves to play fight. I don't really like cats. I prefer dogs. But yeah. I did notice a lot of videos recently of people showing, um, what are they called? Big cats all types playing around and what's funny is they interact exactly like little cats huh. they're just bigger Interesting. it's just really strange when you see them playing around with each other it's like no that is actually like a house cat it's huh. just a lot bigger so we could just accidentally eat you one day yeah well let's, let's go to the comments and see if everybody agrees with me We've about two minutes independence. so we're gonna have to be quick uh george says happy fourth of july to americans Commissioner Grimm says, uh, finally capturing an episode live. Happy Americans Day. Taffy Duck says, um, he swears I can't say that, um, but, but he's a fan. Right. Now, let's find out if people agree with me. Um, uh, there we go. I found somebody who agrees. DOS Fox Design. I completely uh, agree with Dan about the tipping culture and the sugar thing, although it's actually us being captured by the corn industry and the prevalence of corn syrup. Real sugar hasn't been tried. Um, okay, this, yeah. Okay, so so there is moderate support for repealing independence, I would say. Yeah, I could say some people also disagree. I mean, Baron from Warhawk's just like the state of England. I mean, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> like, we would rejoin you. He's not wrong. Um, Ziggy also mentioning that in Serbia, he has exactly the same thing. Those Arabs walking around on their phones, FaceTiming their family, which... Right. Oh, God, I don't know why they do it. And it's, it's really, really rude in England to do it on public transport, and they all do it. It's pain. So on the oh, the... in fact, we got a special segment of people who were really upset with what I said. Really, I can't imagine what you yeah, might look, have said. The, look, they've done Americans. a salty comment alert. <laughs> oh yeah, bound. Yeah, are you really going to say that? You, yeah, okay. Well, he's um, not wrong, is he? Um, I was, I was, I was. I mean, I'll, t- I'll take the sugar a... cake bread <laughs> over America. the rape gang. <laughs> America's always assumed for London will have met the monarch. Uh, blah, blah 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 blah. No, he's not happy. Okay, so uh, I have upset a lot of people. I mean, you only said that the whole civilization should be abolished. No, I just <laughs> just just brought back into the fold. Right. Okay. Anyway, we're out of time. So right. Okay. Well, more from us. Um, there's a website or something. If you don't, don't. Um, bye.